In the last weeks of the southwest monsoon season, before the thunderstorms and drenching rain yield to the sticky heat of October, Singapore honours its ghosts. As dusk falls, families head outside to thrust joysticks into the grass by the curbside and set out trays of tangerines and rice cakes with cups of milky tea. From old to young, most are dressed casually in shorts and flip-flops, but the atmosphere is solemn as sheafs of spirit money, sheets of scented paper printed to resemble banknotes, are set alight on the tarmac. In the seventh month of the Chinese lunar calendar, as hungry ghosts wander the earth, the living offer food and money to send them on their way back to the afterlife. Like Halloween, the Hungry Ghost Festival is a celebration for the living too. In open fields in Singapore's housing estates, pavilions will be set up for elaborate communal banquets under red and white striped awnings. On open-air stages there are getai shows, where singers perform a mix of energetic electronic dance and syrupy ballads in Chinese dialect, entertaining the living and the dead alike. Superstitious folk will avoid buying or moving into a new home. It's a glimpse of an older Asia, just a few miles from the glass and steel towers of Singapore's financial district. The Taoist and Buddhist custom of honouring the dead in the seventh month is fading into history in China, where communism has frayed ties with tradition. But this combination of feasting and mystical communion with the past still holds sway on a tropical island more than 1,200 miles from the southernmost tip of mainland China. I moved to Singapore from Berlin in late 2015 with my wife and two young children, a nine-year-old boy and a girl aged five. It was a radical contrast, moving from the German capital's graffiti-clad walls and hipster beards to a city of razored cheeks and slick office towers. The clichés about Singapore were familiar to me. The efficiency of Changi Airport, the theme park-style entertainments revolving around shopping and eating, the chewing gum ban, caning for vandalism, hanging for drug traffickers. An iron-fisted wonderland infamously summed up by William Gibson as Disneyland with the death penalty. But I knew it from the inside, too. My father, who had died a few years earlier, had grown up in Singapore, and as children we visited regularly. I remembered family outings to the food courts to feast on chicken satay and fried noodles with juicy prawns served in brimming melamine bowls, shopping for jewellery in the air-conditioned chill of the Indian goldsmiths off Serangoon Road, and walking through the Baroque gateway of a Hindu temple just as the fierce tropical afternoon gave way to a balmy evening. I had discovered in my twenties that I was not, as I had assumed for all my childhood, my father's first-born, the eldest of three children. My father had been married once before, when he lived in Singapore, and I had an elder half-sister from that marriage. Finding out about Chitra, my half-sister in Singapore, had subtly changed my relationship with my dad. I had always had an inkling that there was more to this respectable patriarch than met the eye. Dad's conservatism had thickened with age, but there was evidently an adventurous streak in the man who had crossed the world in the hope of bettering himself. The facade crumbled when I knew that he had been married before. He was vexed when I confessed this knowledge to him. He had spent time constructing an image of himself as a married, hard-working, home-owning father of three, but this self-portrait was always a little fuzzy around the edges. Like Singapore itself, there was a darker and sadder history beneath the outward sheen of his material prosperity. 
In his case, this was a failed marriage across boundaries of caste, a daughter abandoned as a child, and a second marriage against convention to my mother. When I returned to Singapore as a correspondent for the Financial Times, I had been away for years. While there were still glimpses of the narrow Chinese shophouses and neoclassical British architecture I recalled from my childhood, the waterfront was now a forest of glass and steel, neon lit at night with bank logos. Driverless cars were being tested in a zone reserved for tech entrepreneurs. Singapore is on a global circuit of bankers, lawyers and IT contractors, drawing capital and white-collar talent from the US, Europe and Australia. Despite this, it is an exotic and mysterious location for many Westerners, bracketed with Hong Kong and Shanghai as modern centres of the Asian world. Singapore is different from those other Asian cities. It is an inspiration in many distinct ways to people around the world and is frequently cited as a role model for the success of free enterprise if you are an American right-winger or for the efficiency of authoritarianism if you are an African autocrat.